Good morning, Frontline. Good morning, Frontline. Can I get a bit of excitement in the house this morning? If you knew what God wants to do for you today, you'll be a bit more excited. Good morning, Frontline. Are we here to celebrate this morning? Are we excited to receive from God this morning? Sure, I can't even tell you how this word is about to... Oh man, I don't even know what it's about to do. But I'm excited to see. Who's expectant here today? Amen. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We give you praise, glory, and honor, Lord Jesus, that we get this chance to be here today, Lord. Our families aren't mourning our death. We aren't sick or ill today, Lord Jesus. And if we are, you still were gracious, merciful enough to bring us here today. Thank you, Father. So now I pray, Lord Jesus, that your presence come down, oh Lord, and touch each heart today, Lord Jesus. Touch each life sitting here today, Lord God. Even those that will hear the word later today, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father God, for an anointing to transfer in the spirit from you to us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, um, can we turn to Mark chapter 4? Mark chapter 4 and... I have two Bibles today just in case. one dies. And it did die. We're going to start from verse 35. Actually, let's start from verse 30. When you're there, just say amen. amen. It's good to bring Bibles to the house of the Lord, even if it has a light. Verse 30, Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using paddles. But afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. As, a, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fall with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. 
the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we are going down? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. We just thank God for his word. Anyone familiar with hymns? Okay, there's like three in the church. Anybody else? Okay, my dad, growing up, when I was learning to play guitar, all he would sing is hymns. You know those, those old school ones that, I will enter his gate. Well, it's not a hymn, but it's an old song. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come on, you guys know the song. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Glad day when I was born again. Come on. Glad day when I was born again. Glad day when I was born again. It was a glad day when I was born again. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Come on, church. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. I want you to sing louder than me. Give me oil in my lamp, keep it burning, burning, burning. Keep it burning till the break of Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Alive, alive, alive forevermore. Come on, church. My Jesus is alive, alive forevermore. Alive, alive. There we go. Alive forevermore. My Jesus is alive. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. My Jesus is alive forevermore. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. My Jesus is alive. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep it burning. Come on. Give me oil in my lamp. I pray. I pray. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep it burning, burning, burning. Keep it burning till the break of day. Woo! Today we celebrate. Today we sing for joy. I did that on purpose because we need to start singing more. Singing praises to our King. Believing the words that come out of our mouth. Those songs were written for a reason. Amen? Amen. Praise songs were written for a reason. To give praise and glory and honor to our God, to our King, 
who has done so much for us that we could be here today in a better place than our parents, our grandparents, our ancestors, and everyone before them. That we grow, that we extend, that we move forward, that we take uh, the promise that God has for us. I got a sense while preparing for this message, well, not just a sense. Personally, it, I, I, I went through this as well. Uh, we've lost our joy a bit. And I've preached on storms before, so I'm not going to go too much into that. But we feel like every time these storms come, they just knock us back. What do we do? I can't understand. Why is Jesus asleep? I don't... Every time we go through this, every time I go through the same thing, I just, I can't do this anymore. I'm so glad Kirk mentioned uh, uh, marching around the walls of Jericho. I'm so glad he mentioned that. I can only imagine if I was there, how I would feel on day five, walking around the same wall and not seeing a crack. Day six and thinking maybe my leader's on crack. <laughs> Let's just be honest. And on day seven, I promise you, I most likely would have given up hope. Today, I, I stand before you having gone around my own mountains, having gone around my own Jericho. And man, was it hard. It was not easy. I recognize more with the disciples in the boat than I do with Jesus. Saying to myself, oh, I don't know how I'm going to weather the storm. Jesus, don't you care? I, I try to find Bible verses that says God wants us to be happy. Couldn't find many, but I can see where he wants us to be blessed. That was a good part for someone to say amen. You see, it's hard to say amen when you're feeling the same thing that I'm feeling. But I'm not happy. I don't feel blessed. And it's hard for me to say amen to something I don't believe in. It's hard for me to say amen to something I can't see the end of. It's hard for me to say amen for something that I think is going to end me. I went through my own moment this week where I told Rachel, I'm just tired of being here on earth. If Jesus can just come fetch me, I would appreciate it. Like how your mom or dad comes and fetches you from school. I could tell you a story about that that will make you laugh, but not today. But it involves my mom going up the wrong way on a one-way street. Uh, I'm going to leave that one, mom. I'm going to save you for that one. Other than that, you always pick me up and I felt safe. Lord, I just, I, I want to feel safe. Right? I want to feel secure that my mom came to fetch me, my dad came to fetch me, and I know that someone I know who loves and cares for me is with me, and I can just be in their presence. I feel that for my earthly parents. How much more does God want to feel that with me? And this week was one of the hardest weeks because this verse God showed me something very different that I didn't see before. If you read the whole chapter, Jesus is teaching the entire day. 
for those of you who are, are a part of the, 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 the Robert Morris sessions, you'll remember that he also preached on this verse. And one of the things he noted was that Jesus taught the whole day. And in his spare time, he was teaching his disciples. And any other gap or moment, people were trying to touch the hem of his garment. Trying to get to him saying, Jesus, help me. Jesus, save me. And he says to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. And the first thing he does is sleep. And Robert Morris says, rightfully so, he's tired. If you were preaching and teaching the whole day, you'd feel the same. And yet a storm broke out. How many have read this? Have you, how many have you have read this chapter and thought, why was Jesus asleep? And maybe you've heard a version where um, somebody explained it to you and it made a bit more sense. I've heard this preached I don't know how many times. But God showed me something very different today. You know, that, that river that they were crossing, storms break out all the time. It's a regular occurrence. It's a normal thing. It's a thing about the earth and the way it's shaped and how wind comes and causes storms. It's almost a certainty in life that storms will be there. Yet we think when we have Jesus in the boat, there will be no storms. Who said it was going to be easy? I know that's a hard one to say amen to, so that's okay. But who said it was going to be easy? Nothing of value comes easy. If it was easy, it would be of no value. Anyone could have it. Come on. What does that say about what God wants to do in your life? He wants you to come up higher. He needs you to come up higher. He wants you to grow. He wants you to see things in a new way. And when I read this verse, I could not for the life of me think what I would have done differently from the disciples. I too would have panicked. And Jesus rebuked them. I would have felt like, Lord, why did you forsake me? Why don't you care about me? You want me to die. Forgetting that in the beginning, Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. That doesn't sound like a commandment. That doesn't sound like clear direction. It's just Jesus saying, let's go over there. We take it too jovial. We take it too lighthearted. The word of God, we play games with it. And that time is over. We are living in the end times now. Think about it. We live in a country where they have legalized abortion. And you can't discipline your kids in your own home. That's now legal laws. Those are two things that go against what God teaches us. Right? The amount of sin, it's as if Babylon has become linked to the internet, that it's now available all over the world. You don't believe me? Pull out your phone right now. I bet you half of the people in the room have Instagram and Facebook and are exposed to sinful things. I know because I am. Every time I go, oh, every time I go on Instagram, there's always like um, maybe a, a half-naked person, man or woman. Did I ask for it? No. But it's there. Even if it's not Instagram, you need a magazine. 
you're exposed to something that is not right. That is not what God calls us to do. That's not what God calls us to be a part of. But we take it too lightly. That's just how things are here. Storms are all over this area. But God will save me, I know. Right? And then when we get attacked by the temptations of this world, we're like, Lord, where are you? Where were you? And Jesus is like, why do you have so little faith? See, we, we took life too easy. We thought that this was going to be an easy walk because we have Jesus. Just because we have Jesus doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Because God wants to develop something within us. Now here's what I understood about this verse. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we are drowning? When Jesus woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Last week, Pastor Ryan preached an incredible message on radical faith. Man, that shifted something in my heart. Let me tell you why. If you know that there's going to be storms in life, if you know that these things happen, you, you understand them, you've experienced them, you've gone through them, or you know of someone that it's happened to, it starts to shape the way your mind works. You know that there are storms. You know that it's hard, and you know that not many people make, make it through. Right? But there's a difference when Jesus comes. And the difference is this. If Jesus is not afraid, why should I be? Let's think about that. Why, why wouldn't Jesus be afraid? He knows that there are storms. He knows that. Yet he chose this time for us to cross over. Why? Why? Jesus, why? Why would you let me go through a storm? Why? That last word, he says, do you still have no faith? He was trying to do something, change something within them. It's hard to change that, though, when we're still looking at things from a worldly perspective. That part hit me. How often do we look at things from the perspective of a friend or a colleague or, 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 or someone that we trust, taking their word over God's because it's easier to relate to them than to God. God says, let us cross over to the other side. He never said how. The shift there where we, choose, where we need to choose to have radical faith is to determine in our hearts, it doesn't matter how I get there, I know I'll get there. Amen? Amen? Whether we get across calmly, whether we have to fall off this boat and swim to shore, I know that if Jesus said, I'll get there, I'll get there. That's his word, that's his promise. Jesus never minces those two things. He never lies. He never leads you on un, un, uh, 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 unassumedly. His word is his word. Did they not get over to the other side? And we read it today and think, oh, fantastic. We knew. We knew you were going to get to the other side. Come on. Oh, next verse. But if you were going through that trial, would you have believed the same? See, today, we need to start changing how we see things. And I don't plan to be too long today. But very clearly, God told me, and the reason why this message is entitled, Make Room, 
is because we have assumptions. We have knowledge. We have so-called wisdom that was given to us here on this earth that we need to get rid of. Our own insecurities, our own fears, our own failures, our own experiences, even blessings of old, we need to let go of. You know that the Israelites, when they were crossing over to the promised land, there was a period of time where God provided food for them every single day. But when they crossed over that river Jordan, the food stopped. Imagine that. What was a blessing is now a curse, supposedly. Because today, just like those Israelites, God wants to do something new in our lives. Which means we need to let go of the old. The only thing that we should be comfortable in in this world is that God's word will never fail. Everything else should be a discomfort. Everything else shouldn't be something we put our, fo- our faith and trust in. God gave me this analogy of a house. A house that is mine. And it's empty. There's no furniture. It's a massive house. Lots of windows, no furniture, empty, cold, um, dingy, dark. And then he comes into it. And it makes all the difference. Nothing's changed in my house. But now I have Jesus and I feel whole. Psalms 23 starts off, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. All that I need. Yet, Jesus will still come into this house and give us a couch for us to converse in, a bed for us to rest in, running water to quench our soul. He gives us so many things, and if we are not careful, we start to see things as God and not God as God. And then we start fighting after peace. We start fighting after rest as if we can get it on our own. And then when we don't get it, We don't look for where's God. We try harder. And God is still standing in the house like, I'm still here. I heard God say very clearly, if you feel distant from me, I'm not the one who's moved. And then we start to collect all these things in our house. And he gave me this image of, um, it would be nice to have a frame here of uh, your word, uh, just to bring ambiance to the house. A lamp, you know, just at night so that I can meditate with you, Lord. It would be nice to have a TV so that I could see what other people are saying. And we start to fill our house with all of these things. And God is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where are all of these things coming from? I get that you want these things, but do you really need it? You know why we don't need it? Because we'll hold on to that instead of God. And before long, we're standing in a room filled with things, unable to get to God because of all of the things we've accumulated in life that separate us from Him. Hurts, pains, struggles. Believe me, I'm not saying this lightheartedly. I'm not trying to mock anybody's situation. I know that it's hard, but it's meant to be. We are meant to go through some hard things to put value in our relationship with God. Can you today live without a lot of things that make you comfortable? You know, the Bible talks about how we should be servants. He who is last shall be first. He who is first shall be last. 
How many of us really choose to be last? Let's, let's be honest. Don't answer me. But I want you to think about that today. Are we even giving up our seats these days? If we're standing in a line with an elderly person or a disabled person, nine out of ten times I've seen people stay in their line because they deserve to be there. Nobody's really taking last place anymore. No one's really taking the hard steps that God wants us to take. Because we don't see the value in it. Because we don't see how we're going to get to the other side by letting one person take the line in front of me at a restaurant. Because I'm hungry. I need to be fed. I, I, I. If you're starting most of your sentences with I, you're in the wrong place. We should be starting our sentences with Jesus. Jesus said, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I, I want to be with you. Jesus, I long to hear from you. Jesus, Jesus sent me. Jesus sent this word. Jesus instructed me. Jesus has built me into the person that I am today. Jesus is the reason why I'm standing where I'm standing. Jesus is the reason why I am where I am. Jesus is the reason I have all of these blessings. Jesus is the reason I have this house. Jesus is the reason I have all these things in my house. I don't need the things. I don't even need the house. I need Jesus. I thought about something the other day. Lord, why did you bless me the way I am, where I am today? I thought about my career. I thought about my beautiful wife. Look at her. She's like a supermodel. And I have a daughter on the way. And I give that thanks to Jesus. Nothing I have was because of my undoing. Nothing. It wasn't because I prayed a certain way. It wasn't because I fasted for 21 days. It wasn't because I sought the Lord and did that, that, and the other. God orchestrated everything for me to do that. Think of it like this. You think you're fasting and praying for God to do breakthrough. He made everything in your life turn on you so that you could fast. Have you realized that? You didn't pray because you wanted to. There was an angel that prompted you. You didn't receive that blessing because you earned it. God gave it to you because he wanted you to do something greater. If it were up to us, we'd be wallowing in the mud where we started. We'd be sitting at that pool of Bethesda waiting for our chance. And God says, don't worry about them. Look at me. Do you want to be healed? You are healed. There are many moments in life, church. And I'm going to close with this and the band can come up. There are many moments in life where Jesus passes. Look in the Bible. People knew who Jesus was. They've heard about what he can do, but they never went after him. But Jesus made a plan to walk past them that day. And it was at that moment that they had to scream out, call out to him, hear his voice clearly, and yield to the power and the authority of Jesus. Make no mistake, this is that moment. Don't let it pass by. We've been talking and praying and singing about promises this morning. We've been talking and singing and praying about breakthrough and how God wants to break those strongholds. Today is that day. Today is that moment. In the Bible, if you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell the story about the same blind man getting healed. I think it's 
Luke or Mark, I can't remember, one of the, one of the, the books record two people getting healed. In three books, they mention one guy, the same guy. But in one book, there's an additional person who was with him who got healed. And I thought about that. I'm like, why didn't the other guys record this? Every miracle of Jesus should be recorded and shared. And God told me very clearly, is it more important that we know what God can do? Or is it more important that that man got healed? To him, it doesn't matter whether you know his story or not. He's received his healing. Whether it's in the other books or not, it doesn't matter to him. Whether you know about the, the things that God has done in his life or my life, doesn't matter. As long as I allow God to do that work in my life. Don't worry about status. Don't worry about position. Don't worry about acknowledgement from people or men or things. Don't worry about titles. Don't worry about earthly value. My bank account is not an indication of who I am. The size of my house, the color of my car, the, the way my shoes are cleaned, it says nothing about who I am. If you strip all of that away, where's the real value in how I serve God? But it's hard when we have our own inhibitions, our own views on things. And God is saying very clearly today, make more room for him. I'm not going to peer pressure you to make room for him. It needs to be your choice. Let go of what you think you want, what you think you need, and just ask God for more of him. Things will come and things will go. But Jesus needs to remain constant in your life.